So many of us wish we can make the world a better place, but don't know where to begin. The vision of the Love Offering is to encourage and embolden a generation to do something to manifest the better world we want to see. First, by filling ourselves up with the love of Jesus Christ, and then pouring it out to the world around us. When we hear stories of how others have loved well, where they are, with the gifts that they've been given, it inspires and motivates us to do the same. Together, we can change the world one love offering at a time in thanksgiving to God, who is the most extraordinary giver of all. Jen Weaver is the author of A Wife's Secret to Happiness and is passionate about sharing strength with others as a pastor, writer, speaker, and blogger at thejenweaver.com. She's also one of the hosts of the Declare Conference, a conference equipping women to walk in their callings as Christian communicators. A California transplant, now loving family life in Dallas, Texas, Jen applies generous amounts of faith, caffeine, and dry shampoo to her daily life. Married to her best friend, Jared, she's the happy mom of a growing family. Without further ado, here's Jen. Hey, Jen. Hi, Rachel. How are you? I'm great. How about you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for being my guest today on the Love Offering Podcast. I appreciate your time. Oh, it is my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. You say your path to a relationship with Jesus took a long detour in years in religion. Would you share this backstory with us? Oh, sure. So I grew up in a, a really good home, a Christian family, and uh, came to know about Jesus and, and received salvation at a young age. I was five years old. And uh, long story short, every year we had this little stocking for God that we would hang on the mantle at Christmas time. And my children. I'm, I'm one of four kids, what we wanted to give to God for Christmas. And so when I was five years old, I said, well, I want to give him my heart because everyone keeps telling me how much he Aww. wants that, how much he wants to be there. Yeah. Uh, and so my parents were thrilled, obviously. And so um, talked me through what that meant and prayed with me to receive salvation. And it was a genuine decision, but I missed the part about relationship. And that might've just been, I, I didn't grasp it or it wasn't a common part of conversation in the church we were at. And so for whatever reason, it just wasn't in my frame of reference. And so I spent most of my childhood working really hard to be a good Christian. And so it was very much just a religious experience. You, you do certain things because that's what a Christian does and you don't do other things because that's not what a good Christian does. And uh, I just, I worked really, really hard at trying to um, earn a place in heaven or earn like badges as a Christian girl. And um, so it wasn't until junior high, I still remember the exact day the church we were at, the youth group would kind of go into the service for a little bit and hear a mini sermon. And then we'd break out and go to, to the youth room. And so I'm in a Sunday service. And sitting with my, my peers and uh, the pastor starts his message by saying he was talking with God about the topic. And at first I just reasoned it away as, oh, well, that's what you say when you understand something from the Bible that God talked to you about it. But the more he, he kept going into his message, the more I started to realize he had this connection with God that I didn't know was possible and that I for sure had never experienced mm -hmm. where 
he heard God talk to him and they, they had a dialogue about things he was reading and God showed him how it applied to his life. And so um, it was a pivotal moment for me. Um, and it wasn't this like quick fix where all of a sudden I, I left that building and I could hear God's voice, <laughs> but I, I started wanting to know how, and I started learning how to tune my ear to hear him. And so that was really this pivotal moment of me learning how I could start building relationship with Jesus. So not just salvation. And so to one day know him in heaven, but to know him on earth. And um, it has changed everything for me because now I can say, I, I do know him. I, I know him personally. I know what his character is like and how he's proven his character true in my own life. And um, the things that used to be heavy and burdensome and, and legalistic. And I would judge people because they weren't working as hard as me. All those things have, have shifted because now I, I get to do things because they please him. And I get to walk in obedience to what he says to me. And, and the relationship that we have is, um, is sweet and intimate, not heavy and a requirement for life. I love everything that you just said, but one, I have two young children. And so I love the idea of the stalking for God and what are we going to give to him? Do you still carry on that tradition as well? So my oldest is four. So we're still figuring out what our family traditions are like, but I loved it too. I I loved how it kind of brought into perspective um, the focus, the reason for the season. And one of the other things that we have done um, that my mom started is we would do a birthday party for Jesus Mm -hmm. around Christmas time and we'd have cake and things. And we talk about like what we're giving him and kind of celebrating his birth and what that meant. And so that's one of the things we already have implemented. Yeah. Well, it's such a good way to just start the conversation. Uh, Mm -hmm. Your, your goal is to share strength with women. You say strength because we are strong and sharing because Christ gives, but sometimes that giving and receiving comes from one another. So how have you seen this played out in your own life? So I have found, um, that it's really intentional that God gave us this desire for community because I want, I want to be in community. I want our family to be close knit. I want to have close knit friends and relationships. Um, There's a verse that talks about iron sharpening iron and how two people can sharpen one another. And so I have found that to be true that sometimes the strength that I need in a moment is the power of someone else's testimony of, Hey, I walked through that. You're in this really hard season as a mom or as a wife or as a believer and just regular life. And I just want to share Like, this is what God did for me when I faced a similar circumstance, or this is what God is doing for me today. And it's totally different than what you're facing, but he's the same and what he's doing for me and how he's building me up or meeting in need or covering with grace over my shortcomings. He wants to do that. He can do that for you. And so I have seen that sharing strength, receiving from one another so often in how we share encouragement with one another, the power of our testimonies, and then just the the strength that comes from genuine, like God-honoring relationships with extending grace to one another and forgiveness and empowering one another to walk in things and to serve together. Um, and so I, I love that. I think it it is Jesus with hands and feet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And so as I was researching for this conversation, I, I giggled because you say that you teeter on a thin boundary of genuine and TMI. <laughs> and I think this kind of transparency really takes courage. So why do you think it is so important to share so authentically? 
Oh, it really is a thin boundary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I, I celebrate that. Um, even though sometimes I'm like, Oh goodness, am I really ready to, to share on my blog that this, this argument I had with my husband this morning, cause I was so wrong, but, um, I really believe that there is, um, I don't know that there's power that comes from the, uh-huh, where, where you get that confirmation that you're really not alone in this. Um, the circumstances you're facing, even when they're super hard, it's not like no one else has, has faced that ever before, but you can share what you're going through and, um, to, to hear somebody else speak the words out of their circumstance or how they're processing something and know you're not alone is so powerful. Uh, and I also think it, it's important because, um, if we're not willing to share so authentically, if like, if all we put out there is the successes and all we put out there is the good stuff and the times that we handled something right, like it, it can feel very isolating to someone who's not in that place of strength yet. So they're struggling in a hard thing and it can feel like, man, I, I am alone in this. What's wrong with me? Should I even keep going? Should I even keep trying? Or like, well, I could never possibly achieve the good thing that that person has in her life or his life, because look at all of their strengths. Like they have all these things going for them that I don't. But when we're willing to be vulnerable that way, we are like, I have this really amazing thing going on and it has nothing to do with how good I am. Cause you guys know how messed up I am. (laughs) Despite me sometimes. Yes, (laughs) definitely. (laughs) Well, you have written a book titled A Wife's Secret to Happiness receiving, honoring, and celebrating God's role for you in marriage. And so (laughs) this goes, speaks back, I think, to your um, bravery and maybe your husband's bravery as well. So (laughs) why did you feel the need to write this specific book? So uh, my felt need with it was really, I wanted to encourage wives to believe God. Uh, and, And because we believe him, we can also believe the Bible, that what the Bible says about marriage and that it's a good thing, that it's created by God, that it's intended to be this amazing earthly representation of God's relationship with his bride, the church, that that still applies today, that God's instruction for wives in the Bible, including the dreaded word of submission, Mm. um, is still applicable today. And that sometimes that, that message isn't shared, especially with younger wives. I'm millennial. I mean, I embrace it. We're redeeming the title. It's not a bad word. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a millennial too. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. I do. Um, So it's in the millennial world. It's not a common thing that's talked about when you're talking about the role for you as a, as a wife or a woman in your home and your relationships and that it's something to be celebrated. And so I really had this heart to share that as an empowering thing for wives. And then um, so like that, that was my need, my felt need to write the book. But I also kind of assume that God's need for me to write the book was because he wanted to teach me some things uh, because he knew that if I spent the time researching and writing and applying what I was learning to my marriage and seeing the fruitfulness from it, that I was going to keep going in it. And so I really just think he's like, well, Jen needs to learn some stuff. So I'm going to put this dream in her heart (laughs) and plant these seeds of things that she'll research and learn and she'll grow from it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I see him do that to me as well. And I am in agreement that, I mean, marriage is important. I've been married almost coming up on 13 years. And I was talking with my friends about, 
um, you know, where does our conversation usually gravitate to? You know, even when we're doing a million other things, it always gravitates to our marriage or our family. And I really believe that like Satan wants to destroy our families. I'm seeing it, you know, daily. Um, and so I think strengthening our family dynamic is just such a priority for me. And I believe for the others listening too. And so your topic to me is, is so timely. And so, yeah, so in your book, you provide 11 powerful, practical blessings that God wants to pour into our laps. So would you give us a sneak peek into a couple of these blessings that you were referring to? Yes, I'd love to. And congratulations on 13 years of marriage. That's awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, So every chapter in the book kind of highlights a specific blessing um, that I believe God wants to give us and how he highlights that in scripture and how we can align ourselves um, with his instruction so we can position ourselves to receive the blessing. Cause it's, it's one thing for someone to come offer you a gift and it's another thing to actually receive it and open it and take it home with you. And so um, some of the blessings that I talk about include um, like the fulfillment of dreams of heart dreams within our hearts of finding unity um, in our spousal relationships having confident expectation of good as a wife that I can, I can have confidence in my expectation that God is going to do me good. And he's going to meet me with good in the midst of my life, my family and my marriage. Um, Not just good sex, but intimacy. Um, There is a sex chapter and oh my goodness, that whole boundary line between (laughs) being vulnerable (laughs) and TMI. Oh, I prayed a lot through that one. Um, And then there's, so in, um, most wedding ceremonies will reference the verse in the Bible about three strands and mm-hmm. how a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And so that's one of the blessings I start off the book with about this blessing that God wants to give us with his presence interwoven in our marriage, uh, not just like an awareness of him, but him as an active participant in our marriage with our husbands. You also have a hashtag lifestyle and habits that you say will attract or reject God's divine provision. What are some of these habits? Yeah, so I had so much fun with that. So um, I kind of coined the phrase lifestyle um, as I was writing it, which is basically these habits, like these tendencies that we have as wives. Um, everyone has some kind of style. So you have like a style in how you decorate your home or a style in your clothing choices. Um, so your your wife style is this like pattern tendency habit as a wife. And so like, for example, when I'm talking about three strands and God's presence in our marriage, um, the wife style that I, I have, I contrast a healthy and an unhealthy wife style. And so it's, are you frayed or are you braided into your marriage cord? And so every chapter has um, a quiz where you can kind of go through some questions and say, okay, well, I have a tendency here more towards the unhealthy style or more towards the healthy style. And then we kind of talk through in the book ways to grow in the healthy habits. And so, for example, um, here's some of those questions for is your wife style frayed or braided? So um, do you find it tiring to work on your marriage? Yes or no. Um, When you consider the past week, Have you spent more time talking about issues in your marriage than you have praying about them? Mm. Um, Do you struggle to make intentional choices to rely on Jesus when interacting with your husband? Um, True or false, do you frequently suggest ways your husband can improve his bad habits? And then most of them are a little quiz. 
will have kind of contrasting words. So you have in one category, complaining, pouting, and frustrated, or grateful, prayerful, and renewed. And so you can kind of tally your results. And this is not to like bring any form of condemnation or guilt or shame, but it's really just a way to, to step back and look at the daily habits that we can kind of fall into and make routine in how we view our spouses and how we view our marriages and even ourselves as wives, and then ways to grow in the healthier side of habit. So like one of these tips is, okay, if you look at this and you spend more time talking, like talking with your mom, talking with your friends, talking to yourself about the areas that you're unhappy with, with your husband or with your marriage, instead spend that time in prayer. And when you're tempted to, to grumble or to complain to another person, just choose to stop and pray about them instead. Um, and like one of the practical things, cause I'm all about practical is, um, you can carry an index card or make a list on your phone to write down a prayer list for later. So if you can't stop right now and pray, just be like, man, I'm really frustrated with this. I'm going to write it down. And then later on, I'm going to ask God to speak about this and I'm going to talk with him about it. Yeah, that's so good. And and practical, like you said, like here's step one, step two, and just an awareness. I think it begins with awareness. And yeah. as I'm thinking about this, is this something that, you know, you as just a, a wife would read or is it something that you could actually do with your husband? So it's, it's definitely something that will bring up a lot of conversations with your husband. Yeah. Um, There are some, so I have a bunch of worksheets. I think I ended up with like 96 pages of downloadable worksheets, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which are all free. So like scattered throughout the book, there's all these different places where it's like, Hey, on this topic, go to this URL on my website and you can download for free this worksheet on what to do when you question your husband's counsel or how to find hope in this difficult part of your relationship or how to create family traditions and build new memories together. Um, so some of those are intended to kind of walk through with your, with your husband. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So when our plans for marriage improvements begin with, if my husband would, or if as a couple, we could, we are missing the secret. So what should our plans begin with? Okay, so my answer for that question is, what is God saying to me? Yeah. And uh, I think sometimes because marriage, you have you have two people in it and you're you want to be on the same page. Like it is ideal if a wife and husband are on the same page, are working through the same thing, are putting like invested intentional time to strengthen their marriage together. Like you always want that. But Sometimes I think as women, we can um, relegate some of the work that we can do on our marriages and kind of push it off to be like, well, only if my husband would, then that could get better. Or only if we could come together, is anything ever going to change? And so I think when we do that, we're missing the secret because you are a brave, strong woman. Like you have a relationship with the king of heaven. You are his daughter. You are empowered. You can do things to walk in obedience to what he's saying. Your marriage is in part an expression of your faith. And so you don't have to wait for your husband to get on the same page for you to impact your marriage. And so I think sometimes like I can say to myself, oh, I'm a strong woman. Like I am, and it's true. But then I look at something in my marriage and I'm like, oh, well, that's only really gonna get better if Jared gets on the same page with me. And that's totally false. Like there are things that I can do I can bring it to God. I can ask him to speak life into it. I can ask him for divine strategy for what I can do on myself 
and receive from him to impact my marriage. And my husband doesn't even need to know about it. Yeah. Yeah. But he sees the fruit. (laughs) Yeah, he does. (laughs) Well, you wrote in a world of not enough and marriage is settling for good enough, press further into God and receive his more than enough. What does this statement mean to you and how can we apply it to our own lives? So I have found proven. So this isn't just theory, but proven in my own life that God is never in short supply. Mm -hmm. And so much of what he wants to give us requires us being willing to receive that from him. And so, and that's part of why in the book, I focus everything on the blessings and then what we do to position ourselves to receive them. Because when our marriage is like, when we feel like we're settling for good enough, or it's just not enough. And we've all been there. I've been there. Um, and sometimes it's like, oh, it's great today. And then tomorrow I'm like, oh, am I just settling for good enough? Or this area of life, this is just not, this is not good enough. Um, it's not enough for me. I find that when I get there, it's because I'm not positioning myself to receive the fullness of what God has for me. And some of that might be uh, obedience. Some of that might just be perspective that I need him to, to give me a different perspective, a different outlook on what I'm facing. Some of that is um, I just need to walk it out a li- little bit more and trust him that this thing that's hard right now, he really is truly going to use it for my good. And I need to give it time to play out because um, not everything is going to feel amazing or look amazing in the moment, but he can totally redeem and restore everything. And so that's really my encouragement for wives and like we can truly press into God and what he has for us is more than enough for everything that we need. Yeah. You know, it, it brings to mind when my husband and I first met, I did not have a relationship like you were talking about with the Lord at that time. And so I looked to my boyfriend, which is now my husband at the time and expected so much of him to fill me up mm-hmm. is because I was so lacking. And so it put so much undue pressure on him that he could never, you know, it it just was unfair to him. And so then once I began to develop my relationship with Christ and lean on him to fill me up and to be my enough, then it freed my husband so much more. And so that's what, I don't know, comes to mind as you're talking about enough that, that Christ is enough and we don't need to look to our husbands to do something that they were never intended to do. Yeah, Uh, that's so good. And I think that, uh, some of that is even, um, like a, a lie that's perpetuated by all these beautiful, fun, amazing rom-coms that we like watching. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cause, cause you get into this mindset of like, Oh, well he'll, he'll complete me. And yes, yeah. Once I find the one that everything's going to shift uh, and my right. life is going to be amazing. And yeah. it, that's not what our, our husbands were ever intended for. That's, that's yeah. a hole in our hearts and our lives that only God can fill. Yeah. Amen. Well, in your book, you write about reducing stress and busyness and building intimacy and strength. And this is a goal I'm sure most listening strive to obtain. What recommendations would you share to achieve this goal? Yes. So I have some recommendations um, and I also want to qualify them that none of these things am I saying like, I'm the expert, I've achieved all and my marriage is perfect and I'm the perfect wife. So these are all things I'm working on too, to continually walk out with God. Um, Saying that some of the things I found to be helpful um, are really learning to receive the role that God has for me and not the other roles that I can take on for myself. 
And so I highlight some of these roles in the book. Um, one of the areas that I really just put my own roles on myself on early in marriage is um, I kind of assumed this mothering tendency with Jared where um, I took it upon myself to help him be healthy and to help him make good choices. And like so many things where I'm like, oh, I'm just being this good, considerate wife that really um, he was annoyed by and felt <laughs> emasculated. <laughs> <with>. <laughs> yeah. um, and so that was one of the areas where I was stressed and busy and didn't have as much intimacy in my, my relationship because I was functioning in things that I wasn't intended to function. I am a mom now, um, but I mothered two boys, a four-year-old and currently a one-year-old, um, not my husband. Yeah. Another one, of, <laughs> um, another one of those on the same line was I'm not my husband's Holy Spirit. Yeah. So sometimes I, I see things and they might actually be true even of things that Jared can work on in his life or things, areas where he can grow in his spiritual walk or in his ability to lead. Um, and I want to just coach him about it and tell him about it and talk with him about it and bring it up and highlight how he can do this. And there are times and ways to do that. Um, I believe that a wife is to use her, her strengths for her husband to, to be a, champion and a warrior for him and her and her marriage. Um, but my role sometimes kind of overstep and I saw myself as a, a co-creator in my husband's life to help him be more like me and to help bring up things that I saw as important instead of asking the Holy Spirit what he saw as important and making room for him to speak directly to Jared about things. Um, I also have found that it's really helpful to create a safe space for my husband to learn. Um, most of us, so if, if you're a Christian woman, you want your husband to be a Christian man. You want him to be a leader. Mm -hmm. You want him to love you well. But there's not a playbook. Like, like there's not this like, okay, you got married. Now your husband is like, miraculously <laughs> right. endowed with all of this knowledge about how to be a spiritual leader in your home. And he's going to do this excellently. Like, we're all learning. Uh, and so... Part of how I create a safe space, again, on the really practical side, is I work to build a vocabulary of grace-filled words so that I can give gentle feedback and questions not coming with accusations. Um, so, for example, uh, I have some ideas to help us with X, Y, Z, or can I share some concerns that I have with this situation or circumstance, or would you like my assistance in completing this task that you're working on for our family? And so my natural tendency, um, especially early on in my marriage, was to be a little bit more critical in my vocabulary and commanding. And that that did not work well for us. Um, that definitely hindered intimacy and mm -hmm. the, the strength of our bond. Um, and it, it made him stressed and it made me stressed. And then I was like kind of busy running around trying to figure out how to fix all the things instead of really leaning into to God and learning how to come alongside him in the role I'm intended to have as a wife. Yeah. It sounds to me like you're saying we just, we need to respect and honor our husbands and they're, they're on this journey too. And, and yeah. just as we are. And so, um, just it's a daily, <laughs> it's a daily <laughs> walk, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Well, for listeners feeling alone in their marriage, um, cause you know, even though just because you're married doesn't mean that you feel, connected necessarily, how can we deepen our spousal connection? 
So my encouragement there is um, don't give up and press into Jesus. Um, a, a disclaimer, I guess, or a qualifier here is abuse is never okay. So if a listener, if, if you're feeling alone in your marriage because there's any form of abuse going on, please reach out to a Christian professional who can provide assistance. Um, you don't just need to press in. You need healing to happen for your relationship. Yeah. Um, that being said, sometimes we can feel alone and there's, there's no abuse. It's just a hard season. Uh, I, I write about that. Um, I have this really hard season that Jared and I went through after our first son was born. And I kind of coined the phrase for a relationship winter. It was just cold and dark and thing. It felt like things were dying and it was just, it was a heavy season and we, um, we couldn't get on the same page or it would feel like we'd get on the same page and then days would go by or hours would go by and we feel like, oh, it's, we're in the same place again. We didn't actually make any progress. Um, that was the first time that I, I really understood what it was like to be in a room with my husband and to feel completely alone. I just, I felt misunderstood or not understood and alone. And in that season, um, both of us struggled through it and we decided that we weren't going to give up. And I think sometimes that's, that's one of the most important steps that you can take, um, not to allow things to come into your vocabulary that allow, would allow you to give up on each other or on your relationship. The other thing that we both did, um, was we, we pressed into Jesus. So I, and it was this process of learning how to do that because I wanted I wanted to draw near to Jared and he wanted to draw near to me and I wanted him to draw near to me and I wanted us to get on the same page, but that wasn't the best goal for us to have. The best goal for us to have and really the best goal for me to have wasn't, I want Jared and I to get closer. It was, I want to get closer to Jesus. And so um, in that season, the story of the woman with the issue of blood really, really encouraged me. Um, because all of her circumstances said, like, this is pointless, you've wasted all this time and all of your resources, and you still have this issue that doesn't allow you to get into community, you're unclean, you can't be around other people. And her whole perspective was, if I can just get to Jesus, mm -hmm. if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I knew and it was her faith that Jesus said made her well. And so even in our relationship winter, we kept pressing into Jesus and he brought spring and he brought spring because we received, I fully believe because we received more of him. And yes, we figured out how to navigate circumstances better and how to communicate better. And our newborn grew up a little bit more. And so we got more sleep, which I'm <laughs> definitely sure helped things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was really the, the shift that happened for us because we pressed into Jesus. And then again, on the practical, celebrate the good that you can. So even if things are hard and alone, ask God to give you eyes to see even the littlest thing. And you might feel totally alone in your marriage, but did your husband come home on time for dinner? Or did, did you have a sweet moment with him? Or did he fill up gas in your car? And that is a sign that he was thinking of you. Or did he take out the trash? Is he, is he handling the things for your family that he normally handles? Or did he share a kind word that was unusual that you can now celebrate today? And um, 
even as you're, you're struggling through this like heavier season or feeling alone, look for the things you can celebrate and, and celebrate them. Thank God for them. Yeah. To focus on the good. Yeah. If, if someone listening has lost hope in their marriage, how can we restore dreams for our life with our spouse? So my greatest encouragement there is to ask God to speak into your dreams. Um, sometimes the dreams that we have might need tweaking. Sometimes the dreams that we have just need new breath breathed into them. They need hope to know that um, even though it might have been deferred, scripture says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. So even though it might have been deferred and it, you're not experiencing now the dream that you hope for, let God speak into it so that you don't get heart sick about it, but that you can have renewed hope for what is coming. And he might give you, I don't think might, I think he will. I think he will give you hope and direction and clarity on your next step. Communication is one of the biggest issues in marriages. How do we boost love, support, and encouragement through communication? So I, um, I'd love to go kind of practical here. So um, this is, is a common tip that's shared around, and I found it to be really helpful to use I feel statements instead of you always or you never statements. Um, it really puts the ownership on me of, I feel frustrated when this happens, or I feel ignored when this happens, instead of you always do this to me, or you never do that to me. Um, and I think an important qualifier here is that the I feel, because um, you make me feel is different. <laughs> right. Um, and technically, um, I don't believe anyone can ever make me feel something. Like they might do things that could lead as a natural progression into me feeling a certain way about it. Like if, if someone is rude to me on, on the highway and cuts me off, um, I can feel frustrated about that or angry about that, but they didn't make me, I chose, I choose my emotions. Yeah. And so I felt because of that happening, I felt angry or frustrated about that. Um, so even in the more difficult stuff that we face in disagreements and conflict with our, our husbands. Um, I still feel that way in relation to the thing, but he didn't make me feel that way. And then another of the tips is um, I try and keep in mind, again, not always perfect, but I try and keep in mind that my goal is unity, not quick conformity. And if like being totally honest, sometimes my goal is quick conformity and I need to fix myself because (laughs) I just, I want him to get on my page. I'm like, that is totally not the efficient way to do this thing, or you, you didn't do that, or you're disagreeing with me in, in our decision here, just get on my page and we'll move on. But that's not a healthy goal. My goal needs to be bigger. My goal needs to be long-term. This is, this is my husband that I have chosen to spend my life with. So my goal is unity. And that goal trumps what I would want in the quick conformity of our circumstance. That is the greater priority. Yeah, it, it it makes I was thinking back to a conversation I had with one of my friends and she her husband was going out of town. And so she said normally she calls him a lot. And so she just was going to give him a breather so he can enjoy his time mm-hmm. away. And so she didn't call him at all. And so then he comes back and he says, 
why did you not call me? Did you not miss me at all? And she said, no, I thought I was doing something nice for you. And so it just makes me (laughs) giggle because I think about how often we think we know what our spouse wants. But, you know, if we, it was just like just an easy conversation to say, hey, get when I call you <laughs> or, do you uh-huh. need, or do you need some space, you know, and how simply that we can fix things if we just communicated and, and, and talked about it. But um, and then. Oh, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> it, but I think how often that happens. And then another thing I think that happens often is we get stuck in gender ruts. So how do you find that we best can embrace our marital roles? So I don't believe that there is a cookie cutter prescription or recipe um, or blueprint for all of the specific details in how your family functions. So like there are going to be um, specific things that are outlined in scripture even for the role of a husband to love his life like um, Christ loved the church and to give himself up for her and for a wife to respect her husband um, and to submit an honor to him and for, for a husband to respect his wife even and, and treasure her, all these things that are, are clear in scripture. Um, but the, the nitty gritty how-to of how a marriage functions, how that marriage partnership functions and how a family functions really um, kind of morphs based on who they are as people and the season that they're in. So when it comes down to like where the gender, the gender reps can kind of come in is like, okay, well, who does what chores around the house? Which one of you handles the bills and the finances and which one of you handles the cooking and the cleaning and who does the yard work versus who um, educates the children. If you're going to do homeschooling, like all of those things can be gender ruts and can be, um, heavy and burdensome and not fully accurate to who God made you as a wife and your husband, like you as a woman even, and your husband as a man. Like those things can be heavy if we're not pushing into, okay, God, what are you saying? And what does this look like for us as a family? And so um, to embrace kind of the vibrant marital roles requires conversation and it requires being sensitive to your each of your unique gifts and skill sets and the season that you're in, whether it's in school or career, or um, if one of you wants to stay home with the kids. And so not just defaulting to what your parents did or what your friends do, but really having those honest conversations and kind of an honest ongoing conversation of, hey, is this working or is it not? And do we both feel like it's working or what can we do to tweak it and make it better? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think we fall into that. And um, (laughs) another story comes to mind. I'm thinking one time my husband, I think, was out of town and I thought, I'm going to do something really nice for him and I'm going to mow the grass. (laughs) (laughs) And then I ended up like breaking the mower and I'm sure I didn't do like straight lines. And he was so sweet when he came home. He's like, thank you so much for trying to help me, but please don't ever try to help me in that way again. And so, but you know, but I'm all about him doing laundry, you know, that's fine. You you come and do laundry and cook as much as you want, but I'm not allowed to mow the grass anymore. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, I'm going to brag on my husband for a little bit. So I hate cleaning the bathrooms. 
I, I hate it. It is disgusting to me. Um, and so we have been married for 10 years and I, I could probably count on two hands how often I've cleaned the bathroom oh, in the 10 a, years. What a good husband. I know it. And, <laughs> and I am not less of a wife that's because right. he cleans the bathroom. Yep. That's right. And so it's, it's talking through that and even like talking about seasons, even um, there was a season we first got married and I'd always, we, we went, we both went to ministry school together, um, but it was an unaccredited program. And so I'd always planned on going to get a degree. And so we got married and we decided, oh, I'm going to go for my degree. So I was doing full-time school and full-time work and we were both serving in our church And so there was a lot of the household responsibilities that he handled for us because my load was so heavy with school and work. And even that, that's having a conversation and then dialoguing about it. Because even in that, he's like, okay, it still would be helpful because you're actually better at doing this than I am. So can you keep doing this for our family? Or like, I'm, I love doing the grocery shopping. I love planning meals, like all of those things fit well into who I am and my skill set. Um, and so it's just figuring those out, both on who we are, how we work, what we do well, and the seasons that we're in. Yeah, I love this. This has been so practical and so applicable. And although you've written this book, you also speak often. So in fact, you are the host of the Declare Conference. Um, and I interviewed your co-host, Rachel Gilbert, as well. What has Declare, um, the Declare Conference and the Declare community meant to you? Oh, I love Declare. Um, and I love our community. So I, um, I actually went to Declare the first time as an attendee. I was a, a newer blogger and learned about the conference. And then a couple years later, had the opportunity to join the um, the host team. So I'm one of six that co-host the conference and it really has meant community um, for me. I found my people um, and there's something so amazing that happens going back to even how we started this conversation with the, the uh-huhs and the me too's and knowing that you're not alone in things to find people that are of similar heart that are doing a similar ministry where you can really support each other and cheer one another on and, brainstorm things together. Um, so that has been amazing for me. And then even just being on the team, um, I can say even from the inside that the heart of Declare really is to know God and make him known. Mm. And that comes into every aspect. We want to declare him yeah. to the world. Oh, that's good. And it, so it's, it's an amazing thing to be part of. Yeah. Yeah. When the heart is, is right, that, that's yeah. what matters. Well, Jen, this podcast is about celebrating and catalyzing extraordinary givers. Is there somebody that comes to mind for you that has been an extraordinary giver in your own life? Oh, so many people. Um, of course, my mom. <laughs> I think becoming a mom um, makes me a little bit more aware of how much my mom really did give mm-hmm. in life. Yes. Uh, even I was talking with a friend the other day, and it, it didn't really hit me until I became a mom how many things my mom thoroughly enjoyed, not because she actually enjoyed the thing, but because we enjoyed that as her children, like taking your kids to a theme park 
is a whole endeavor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we just went to Disney on spring break and we came back exhausted. So I agree. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, as a child, you, your whole framework is like, this is amazing. Yeah. Everyone's having such a great time. But as a parent, you're like, oh, all the things and we got to coordinate nap times and that one's getting grumpy because they're hungry. And then what can they do? And, yeah. um, but it's, it's that giving heart. Um, and then my, my husband is a, an amazing giver talking about the declare um, community and the, the team with declare, they are extraordinary givers. So we all volunteer to do um, the conference and to the podcast and the, the blog and our classes all we're just volunteering for that. And so that's, um, been an amazing way to come alongside a relationship with other extraordinary givers. Well, because we have talked so much about marriage in this episode, how would you suggest that we give extraordinarily to our husbands? So I, oh gosh, I have so many different ideas here. Okay. So one that I think sometimes we can miss, um, is to have fun together. Mm, Yeah. So sometimes when we think about like giving to our husband, giving extraordinarily to our husbands or just like the spouse relationship, we can focus on like the workplace, like the work aspects of it or the um, like, oh, when you when you get down to strategizing life together or handling really tough topics and working through things, which is all really important. But sometimes we can spend so much of ourselves in in the other areas or even just on the hard things that we forget to keep a reserve to have fun together. And so I think sometimes that is an extraordinary way to give to our husbands, planning fun stuff, just having fun times, um, even in the midst of a hard season while you're, you're processing through things that aren't going to be solved today, but it's going to take this like longer conversation and process and healing taking time to do something fun to grab ice cream to watch a fun movie to like to do something that you both enjoy and just have fun together yeah you know I think I I agree with you so much because it it makes me think about what did we do when we first started dating and Mm -hmm. after you've been married for so long and you add kids to the the scenario and homes and all the all the things that you add to the relationship, we, we start to not act like we did when we dated. And so it's like, what was it that we did that made us first fall in love? Why did I first fall in love with you? And to always keep that, that spark alive. I think having fun in general in life (laughs) is something I need to add to my to-do list. (laughs) Yeah. My husband's way better at having fun than I am. And I can get in this like, um, achiever accomplish mode. And so recently we went through this really kind of intense season where I started a new job. We sold our house. We bought a new house. We moved. He started a different position. We found a new daycare for the boys, like all these different things all happening at once. And so much of our time was like, okay, the next house project that we need to do. And did you do this registration? And did you get that done? And do we need to go buy this at the store? Is the refrigerator empty? And all these things where it was like, you know, we need to step back and just go on a date. Yeah. Just, just have some fun together. Just do something because it's fun, not because we need to check another to do off the list. Yeah. Well, so how can listeners keep in contact with you and, and purchase this book? Cause after, after talking about it, I know that they're going to want to. So how can they do that? <laughs> uh, so they can keep in contact with me through my website. I'm the Jen 
Um, and I am the Jen Weaver on all of the social media platforms. I'm most active on Instagram. So the Jen Weaver on Instagram. And then A Wife's Secret to Happiness um, is available wherever books are sold. Um, I know it's on Amazon. Lifeway has it. Um, a few other Christian bookstores. I think christianbooks.com. So all those fun places. Well, what project are you currently working on that we can look forward to seeing from you? So um, Declare Conference for 2019 um, is coming up in October. And more information on that is at declareconference.com. And it's always held in the greater Dallas-Fort Worth area. And this year it's in Richardson. And then um, on my site, I am working on launching some new things um, in the coming months. But there are currently um, three really fun freebies that are available on my site at thegenweaver.com. So one is a free download, which is a 31 Days of Encouragement devotional. And then I have kind of a email chain that will kind of segment out on different time frames. Um, one, which is three months of encouragement for wives. So if you're already married and you would like to receive some encouragement specific for you as a wife, write in your inbox. There's that you can sign up for on the site. And then I have the same type of thing, but for wives to be. So if you are engaged and you're planning, you can actually put in when your wedding date is. And you can pick some options and have it set out at different dates along the way as you're getting married, yeah, getting ready to get married. Oh, what a great resource. That sounds amazing. Well, Jen, thank you so much for being my guest today and for all the practical wisdom um, that you have shared to strengthen our marriages. It's, it's such an important thing, our families. And so um, I appreciate you sharing all of your words of wisdom. Oh, thank you, Rachel. It's been fun. I'm so honored to talk with you. God bless you. You too. The Love Offering was created to inspire us to intentionally seek ways to share God's love with a world often marked by the opposite. God gives us His love so freely. He simply asks that we believe in Him and that we share His love with others. The hope of the Love Offering is that it starts a chain reaction of loving service that points people to Him. It is a pure-hearted, servant-minded approach to living. So where does God have you? Who has He surrounded you with? What stirs your heart? Start there. No act is too big or too small. Let's spur one another on as we share God's love in tangible ways and change the world one love offering at a time.